new beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in again. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Black, uh, coming to you from Ontario, Canada. And our host that usually is with us, Sean Ram, isn't available, but we have someone special. We have Jade Carling Black. Jade, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's, uh, it's great to have you back on. The last time you were on here was with Kay McVal on episode 146, and that went so well. So I'm glad you're able to find some time from your busy schedule and parenting to be able to come back on and talk to our ne- next guest. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm happy the uh, schedule scheduling worked out and I'm able to, to come. I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Yeah, so let's introduce our guest. All right. So today on the podcast, we have Dr. Virginia Marcico. Uh, she is a chiropractic phy- physician currently practicing in Central Florida. A Wisconsin native that moved to Los Angeles, she quickly developed an affinity for complementary and alternative medicine and proceeded to earn her doctorate in chiropractic. While pursuing her graduate degree, she and her husband owned and operated March Fitness, a studio gym and wellness center focusing on functional training and injury prevention prior to moving to Orlando, Florida. After treating patients with conventional chiropractic care, she realized that many of her obstacles preventing her patients from achieving optimal health were not physical in origin. She now focuses on helping patients become their best by focusing on their mind-body-got connection through functional medicine, addressing underlying issues involving emotional and psychological imbalances in the body. She currently resides in Orlando, where she gets to see all those characters from Disney World every day and be able to watch the fireworks every night with her husband, son, and two dogs. So, Virginia, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So is it true that you live so close you can actually see the fireworks? I can. I can see the fireworks. Well, we're in lockdown now because of uh, COVID-19. So the parks are actually closed for the time being. Um, And it's kind of funny because it's one of the things that if you talk to people that live locally here in Orlando, it's one of the things that everyone misses. You'll be driving around around 9 p.m. and you'll see fireworks from various points in the sky from the freeway or from just some of the roads. And it's one of the things that we definitely miss. uh, And we're looking forward to all of this ending very soon. That's so interesting. That's not like in my life, that's not one thing that I would say I miss because it just, it doesn't really exist, but it's interesting now that you're going, everything's shut down. It's like the only time that really you've had like an empty sky. Yeah, it's it's very odd because you wouldn't think that. It just becomes sort of like a normal routine. Oh, I'm driving to the grocery store. Oh, there's the fireworks, you know? So um, typically, everyone doesn't see fireworks every single night. Uh, Disney World does them every single night um, because we have so many people traveling from all over the world here. Um, but yeah, it's one of the things that that we definitely miss. All right. So I'm really curious about your story. We connected over Instagram, which is a great platform. This is why I love it so much because I get to meet so many interesting people with so many interesting stories and dreams. And we were able to talk about your loss. And I'm really looking forward to actually hearing more about it on the podcast. But one thing that in your story you talked about was this move to Los Angeles. 
And, you know, when you read people's bios and you talk to them, there's certain things that stand out. And I think that's one of them that I would like to touch on quickly about moving to a different city. Was that tough? And like, what led to that move? Yeah. So I always knew I wanted to leave. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's it's one of the larger cities in Wisconsin, um, but it's definitely not considered a large city. I mean, we have Chicago nearby. Um, I've always wanted to. I'm kind of a city girl. Um, The choice was between New York and Los Angeles and ultimately the weather won. So I packed up my little Honda Civic at the time. I was in my early 20s. Didn't really have much. I remember I had um, an old TV that was really small, um, you know, one of those old box TVs. And I put it in my trunk along with my clothes. And that's really all that I moved with. I didn't have any furniture. I didn't have pretty much anything. And um, I drove cross country with a few friends and basically just started over. And I think it's easier to do. I'll say this now. It's easier to do when you're younger because everything is new. You want to go explore life. Um, I was, you know, going for my dream to move to a larger city, make it work, work on my own. I didn't know anyone in Los Angeles. So I didn't have anyone in the city to help me with any of this. And basically I just started over. It was not something it was, it was more of an exciting time for me and very difficult, obviously when you're, you know, my parents, I'm, I'm an only child coming from, uh, you know, I have a Greek father. So of course my parents want me to stay in, you know, to stay in the city that I grew up in and stay with them. I'm their only child. So definitely during the more difficult times, um, I got a lot from friends and family where it's like, move home, move home, move home. But I just pushed through and and I ended up living in Los Angeles and the surrounding areas for about 13 years. Wow, that's so interesting. And yeah. so you uh, you left with a couple of friends, you said, did they stay with you or did they go to a different city or go back home? Nope. They just drove cross country with me, got on a plane and flew back home. So oh, that's, I, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was literally by myself. Wow. Yeah. Like Jade, you did something similar to that. <laughs> Leaving Ontario for BC. Um, mm-hmm. and like I haven't done anything like that in my life, but I would think the the, the loneliness would get to me. And then also beyond that, finding work. Did you have a job well before no. you went? No. Why? No. No, I didn't have a job. I got a job at a restaurant um, serving and I um, I transferred into the heart of Los Angeles and uh, because it was for Wolfgang Puck. So very big chef, um, really well known in the Los Angeles area. So I transferred to one of his his locations right on Sunset Boulevard. So literally in the heart of Hollywood, which was really exciting and fun. But the loneliness was palpable for sure. It was very difficult. However, the first thing I did before I even got an apartment was I got this little dog and, um, I was working at uh, a restaurant in orange County in the surrounding areas of Los Angeles. And I knew that I was moving into the city on, I think I was moving into the city on a Sunday and a girl comes into the restaurant and sits outside with this little dog. 
and he's a Chihuahua. And I don't like Chihuahuas. I want to go ahead and preemptively say that I'm not a fan of Chihuahuas. I I always felt like they looked, you know, a little like rats. I was very like, no, I would never get a Chihuahua. This dog was black and white and tan. And he was so teeny and she had him outside. Um, there was like out, outdoor seating and I went up and I, you know, I started a conversation and I was like, oh my goodness, like he is just, I, he's adorable. I, I want him. And she's like, my roommates don't want him. I'll sell him to you. And I was like, what really? Like, you're just going to sell me your dog? Like that I would never, you know, if I had gotten a dog, I would never give up. Like I'm a huge dog person. So I was like, once that dog is mine, that dog is mine. So I remember she was like, yeah, you know, my roommates, they're not into him and, and I have his papers and he's six months old and he was teeny, teeny, teeny. Like we're talking like a pound and a half, two pounds. And I was like, okay, well, why don't you drop him off on Sunday? And she sold him to me for $300. And I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, made just enough money to get him. And I remember standing in the like waiting area at that restaurant. And she, you know, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting and she's not coming. And I'm like, "Where? this woman has my dog. I need this dog. Like I just, I knew he was my dog. And she drops him off and, um, and that was it. And I, I moved uh, the next day or she dropped him off, I believe on a Saturday night. And I moved the next day on a Sunday into the city and it was me and my dog. And that so without him, and I named him Bruiser, um, kind of an homage to Legally Blonde, if you've seen that movie, but he definitely lived up to his name. Chihuahuas tend to be very um, spirited. If anyone's had a Chihuahua, they tend to be a little more um, protective of their owners and um, they're fiercely loyal. So he was my buddy. And when I moved into the city, I sublet an apartment and I had no friends. I didn't know anyone. And at the time, you know, he and I would just go and explore the city, this little dog. And we would walk up and down Hollywood Boulevard and um, he was just my buddy. And so definitely like it was lonely, but I was so preoccupied with my new best friend. I didn't really care if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> amazing it's amazing how you could see a dog in a know he's yours like just have that feeling of like we are destined to be together is is such a cool experience and I, mean, I find it really funny too that uh never a chihuahua <laughs> you know what I mean saying I that would never be the type of dog I pick and and um the universe has a sense of humor because that's that's what you end up with and you know develop this meaningful profound connection and and so yeah amazing and I completely relate to uh finding companionship in a, in a dog because when I moved as well my dog I have a little Yorkie he came with me and um he was my saving grace as well like he was you know when it got really lonely or like, what am I doing? Or I made the wrong decision or, you know, all oh, those yeah. kind of he really heavy questions came up. I would just like cuddle him and he would look at me like, 
you know, you're my hero. You're, 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 you're going to take care of me and I trust you. And I'm thinking, well, if a Yorkie can trust me, then, you know, maybe this will work out kind of thing. Um, so yeah, all of that is just so relatable and, and cool. You know, what's funny is the dog that I wanted was a Yorkie. (laughs) I love Yorkies. (laughs) They're great. And they too have that, have that kind of Napoleon, like fierce protector, um, character about about them as well like my he's four and a half pounds and he just thinks he's you know he's he's larger than life and in so many ways he is larger than life like his personality is just you know spunky and fun and in so many ways he's he's mimicking me so we're just like two peas in a pod like you know we match each other so that's cool awesome well yeah so that's kind of how I started uh, my experience in Los Angeles. How did you, were you always that courageous or nuts <laughs> or <laughs> passionate about things to be able to go against everyone else's opinion? Cause I'm thinking a lot of people are saying, come back. As you said, a lot of people said, come back when you're having difficult oh, time. Yeah. They didn't understand the move. Like it takes a lot within a person to make that type of decision. So like, was that something that you've always had or is it something that you just had a knowing that you're supposed to be there you know as i've gotten older i've probably i'm more cautious definitely like now i have a son and um but yeah i I knew i wanted to do something i guess insane but it it, to me it wasn't really insane you know a lot of people pick up and move to los angeles and then a year two years ten years later they move out of the city you know i there's so many Times I see people come and go and come and go. And it's the same with New York. You know, you just kind of go, you have your moment, you have your experience, um, which I desperately was seeking at the time. I had just finished my undergrad degree and it was kind of like searching for what I wanted to do with my life while having fun, while meeting other people, um, different diverse people, um, because Wisconsin can be pretty... I don't want to say boring, but, you know, the weather kind of limits you in so much of the year. Um, So I was really seeking, I'm a very active person. So I was really seeking having that warm weather, having um, the ability to go to the ocean, having the ability to hike. Um, So, you know, I was really looking for an adventure and it's completely what I got. So did you have any signs leading up to you moving that confirmed like did anything happen that made you think yeah this is this is it I'm doing this like what was that final like tipping point or was it just like a gradual like oh maybe I should and back and no. forth kind of thing it um there wasn't there wasn't any signs I kept talking about moving to LA and and a friend of mine had said you know you need to just pick a date because you keep talking about it. And I said, I was like, well, why don't you pick a date for me? And he said, May 18th. And I said, okay, let's, let's do it. And so he drove out with me, which was a, so much fun um, to drive cross country. But shortly after I got there um, and I had transferred into a restaurant right on Sunset Boulevard, I remember uh, I actually waited on someone and started a conversation with him And he ended up being um, a distant cousin to my priest from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
And we are still friends to this day. And so I took that as a sign that the universe sent me someone that I knew I could trust because, you know, you're, look, you're in your early twenties. Um, for me, I've always been pretty cautious about, you know, you don't know who you can trust. You are in a large city. You're from the Midwest. Um, you just have to be careful, always watch your back, those types of things. So I took that as a huge sign that, okay, the universe sent me somebody that, um, that, will totally look out for me. If anything happens, you know, I can give him a call and um, we're still friends to this day. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. And you found that, that thing to help you stay. Right. And I think that once you make those decisions, it's then like how, like to allow yourself to stay because there's so many things and even voices, as you said, Jade, like did I make the right decision? And so I'm glad you had the dog there and you could fill it, fulfill some kind of passion or dream you had to actually be in LA, be in the bigger city. And so then when you got there, you're doing your waitressing. What then? So you, then you went to grad school. So how did that, when did you decide you wanted to be a chiropractic? So it's kind of funny because I had met a chiropractor that I had some low back pain and um, he, he adjusted my low back. And for the first time in a very long time, pain went away. And it's it's funny because it was one of those out of, I, I don't want to say out of body experiences, but kind of out of body experiences where something is pulling me toward this. And I Googled prerequisites. I had my undergrad and I went to the local school and I inquired and I said, this might be something I'm really interested in. And it just so happened that all of my just basic, you know how you take, well, in the US, you take your your general courses and then you take your um, more focused courses, what your major is. So, but those generalized courses are required and you need certain amount of, of units in sciences. And well, all of my sciences were in anatomy and physiology. And so I had all of those prerequisites done and I had no clue. So I was ready essentially to move into the program after just two courses. So I had met my husband. I had, I decided in 2000, 2007, 2008 um, to go ahead and pursue my doctorate. And I was finishing my prerequisites. And when you're talking about signs, this was, this is another one. I had gone to a, um, this was in late 2008, I had gone to a party, Christmas party, and I was the only single person there. And I went home and I woke up the next day, you know, I had a few more glasses of wine than I should have. And I was like, well, I'm going to go on match.com just, you know, and I I told my roommate, I'm going to go on match.com and just see, I'm just going to look. And then I I went on match.com and I was like, I don't need this. What this is insane. I'm not internet dating. This is crazy. And so I logged off and then I logged back in and I didn't join, but I just looked, I, I did one search, one search for guys in my age age group in my area. And the first guy that popped up, once again, it was this, I was drawn and I was like, I have to email him. I have no idea why, but I have to. 
And so I joined. I spent the 50 bucks, $100, whatever it was to join at the time. And I was like, well, let me wait and upload pictures and then I'll shoot him an email. And then I shut my computer down and I went to go take a shower. And I was like, no, I have to email him right now. Something is telling me to email him right now. And I went downstairs and it was 11 o'clock at night. I was just, you know, I was going to take a shower and go to bed. And uh, <laughs> I emailed him and, and he was from Chicago and being from Milwaukee, you know, we have a Midwest connection. And I made a few, you know, references, sports references. And um, within, I had mentioned, I had not uploaded photos yet. So, you know, but I can send you some photos until, you know, they clear. And uh, within 20 minutes, he emailed back and he said, I actually canceled my match.com account and my account is expiring at midnight tonight. So if you get this, you can email me at my personal email address. If you don't, I mean, I'm, I haven't had success. I've been on it for, you know, eight months now, six months, eight months, and it's just not working out for me. And so I emailed him at his, his, uh, his Yahoo address and we emailed back and forth for a while and we set up a date and that date was on Christmas Eve because we both couldn't afford to go home for Christmas. And all of like all my roommates, all my friends were out of town. It was just me. I was going to spend Christmas alone. And it was the best first date that I've ever had. And it was the last first date. He is now my husband. Oh, my gosh. I love that story. That's amazing. She, yeah. I feel like it's a movie. In the movie. I, and I'm just thinking that. Well, the crazy thing is shortly after we, we adopted a dog together outside of the Chihuahua and, um, and it, it was about three or four months after we were at a, uh, a restaurant and he was like, Hey, you have some, I don't know, chocolate or something on your hand. And I was like, Oh, what is this? And this is on my palm. And it was a freckle on my left hand and I was like, I've never had that before. I never grew up with that. That's bizarre. And a couple weeks later, he was looking at me, had his, had his head in his hand. And I was like, wait a second. And I grabbed his hand, exact same freckle on the exact same hand. That just popped up on his hand? Yes. Yes. We both, and I can, I can actually send you pictures of it. It's the exact same freckle in the exact same spot on the exact same hand. And it's still both there on both of you. Like it's still there on both of you now. Correct. Wow. <laughs> so I take that as a sign from the universe that this is my, this is my person. It's my person. That's really beautiful. I love that. And I love, I love how, you know, the world is set up and how like to send that email saying like, I'm, I'm done with this platform. Like it's not jiving for me and it's going to cancel at, at midnight. And that really explains the, the urgency that you were feeling in like, do this, do this right now. Yeah. I can't explain it, but when there is, there is just an inner voice and I feel like there's an inner voice in all of us. It's how tuned in are you 
and willing to, to, to be open to listen to that inner voice. And if you let that inner voice guide you, if you let your gut guide you, um, it can lead you to some amazing things. Agreed. Yeah. So shortly after that, I started grad school and then I actually, um, was, was considering moving to Florida. This was before I graduated. I was just one term in and I, we ended up, I transferred schools into, uh, one of the, the chiropractic schools in the surrounding area in Orange County. And my husband and I moved out of the city into the suburbs of LA. And, um, we found, uh, a small studio gym. My husband has a degree in kinesiology, was a personal trainer for many, many years. And so we opened up, um, match fitness, which was conveniently named because we met on match.com. So, um, that was a little homage to us. And we made that a success, which was very difficult during school, but it, uh, we really built a community, you know, business is really all about community. And, um, for me being in the health and wellness field, I truly feel like relationship, creating relationships with patients, being able to build that trust and that connection, allows them to achieve their goals quicker and and be more successful. And pretty much every client that we had, we still keep in contact with today. So we are very blessed. We had some amazing, amazing clients. And, um, and so during that time, when I was finishing school, we had considered leaving California. As you know, California is extremely expensive. It's very, um, it was a matter of, we were looking to start a family and it was a matter of, do we want to raise kids here? Do we want to own a business here? The taxes and um, maybe it's time to just, you know, after 13 years, you know, leave. And, um, and it was hard because you know you mentioned the Disney fireworks here, but we actually got married at Disneyland. So we are we're Disney people. I studied for all my board exams in the parks. I would bring my backpack and just sit down at you know one of the tables and study. So it was really really hard for me to leave California. Um, and that time, it was, um, but it was it was the best decision. Um, and so once again, we picked up and just, we sold a lot of our furniture. We threw everything we had in, now we have two cars and two dogs and we drove cross country and pretty much started over once again. But this time you had an extra buddy and also a husband. So I think that's, um, it's a little different in that sense, but it's still scary. And it really, I'm really intrigued by your journey and how much, how much you trust your, your gut instincts and how willing you are to go with the flow of it all. And I think that there's, there's a lot of points in your life I, that, you know, just through what you're talking about that, that you can really draw upon as significant aspects of trusting that instinct uh, for yourself. Is that sort of one of the things maybe that helps you see that things are more physical like when it's when it says like your clients your clientele that um, problems are a lot more bigger than just the physical well you know i got into chiropractic chiropractors and acupuncturists anything in the alternative medicine field 
truly operates and, and looks at the body as a whole. And when we talk about the body, the body has the ability to heal itself if you give it, if you give it a chance, right? It just needs, it needs a few things. It needs some little bit of TLC. Um, it needs positive self-talk, how you perceive yourself, um, how you handle stress, what you put into your body, um, obviously the nutrition. And um, my husband would probably disagree with you with the go the go with the flow. I was very resistant to moving to Florida at first, very resistant um, because as I've gotten older, I've been a little bit more, um, I allow stress and fear, or I have allowed stress and fear to affect my decision-making. And that's never a good combination. And I know I've listened to, you know, your podcasts. There's so many of the guests that you've had that mention when you operate from fear, it, it never ends well. Right. So there's this constant fear of making the wrong decision, a fear of, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? And as I've gotten older, you know, it's, it's this idea that you need to be more logical. You need to be more sensible. You need to put down roots. You need to, you need to be a certain way and fit into this box. And, um, so I was very resistant at first and it was actually this little <laughs> bruiser, my little dog. It was actually this pandemic and the death of him that's made me realize that I need to just trust and stop operating from fear, if that makes sense. Beautiful insights. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful insights. They, um, I totally agree that making decisions from a place of fear do not, does not bring the best dividends. In my experience, it's kind of, it kind of compounds and like, decisions made from fear create more of that and then you got all all its cousins like doubt and anxiety and they all kind of like fester together and that's been my my experience uh, um as well but you know something you said really stuck out to me and like as you get older you you feel like you should be more you know have that side to you that feels like you should be more methodical and kind of think through your decisions and and I often find myself halfway kind of between that um because it can be hard for me to decipher whether some decisions that I'm making are brave decisions or they're or they're self-sabotaging decisions because if I don't from where I'm standing like if I don't think things through then I might be creating a situation down the road that could be you know, creating like suffer more suffering in my life. So even like right now, it's just kind of finding that dance between let's not be like afraid, completely afraid to take any risks, but at the same time, let's not make decisions that I know are going to put me in a really unstable position, if that makes sense. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and I don't know, um, once you have a kid, which I wasn't prepared for, you know, they, they hand you this little baby and they, they're like, okay, you can leave the hospital. And you're like, really with this kid, I'm responsible for this kid. You think about it in, well, what's going to be the best for him. What's I have to do it this way. I have to do it that way. This is how it's supposed to be done. And when really, when you take a look, there are no rules. 
you can do things exactly the way that you want to do them. There's no structure that needs to be followed. And I think if we all remember that a little bit more, especially I know I have to remind myself on a daily basis, especially with this pandemic, it's difficult to, I've stopped turning on the news. I've stopped listening to outside sources. Sometimes I'll be informed, but there's there's a big difference in being informed and being completely, I don't know, inundated with negativity. And then it affects how progressive you are. So you can take a look at this pandemic um, one of two ways. You can look at it as a way to reinvent yourself and reinvent what you're supposed to be doing, or you can just sit here in fear. And, and, and the first part, I definitely, I sat in fear because you just have no idea what's going to happen. So basically, end of last year, my little dog bruiser was oh, 16 and a half. We had just celebrated his 16th birthday. And he, I mean, he traveled with me everywhere. Like if I'd go home to Wisconsin to see my parents, he would come with me because he was so little. And um, so he, I mean, I could probably count on one hand in the past 17 years, how many times he's been away from me. So he was very old and he started circling and pacing and um i'd come home and it it appeared he might have had a seizure there was signs you know i I left for the grocery store for 20 minutes and i came home and and he wasn't well and i just you know i was devastated and i was like you know maybe it's time maybe it's time my husband kept saying no he's so healthy we feed him really well we, you know we we treat our dogs better than we treat ourselves sometimes and and um and i'm just like i just have a feeling that this is it and i asked the universe so if if any of you read into um gabrielle bernstein do you know who she is mm-hmm. So she talks about asking for a sign and my sign has always been a heart. And for years and years and years, I'd asked for a heart if to navigate me, if I was making the right decision, if things were going to be okay, things like that. And I said, I need you to send me a heart if it is time to let him go. I was in a restaurant. There was a wine glass that was sitting there and there was a reflection of a heart in the light on the counter from the wine glass. And I've never seen that before in my life. I think that was the 23rd, 24th of December. It was Christmas Eve. And I immediately texted my husband and I said, it's time. And he was like, no, are you sure? And I was like, no, it's time. I know it's time. And as devastating as it was, we called a vet to come to the house. If anyone has ever had to make that, this was the first time I ever had to make that decision to put an animal down. It it was very new to me. So it was like, how do you know? How do you know? Um, And different people will tell you different things. You just know. And so for me, it was asking for my sign. And we called the vet and she came the day after Christmas and put him down. And if anyone ever has to make that decision, Having a, having a vet come to the house and do it was a beautiful, beautiful ending, 
beautiful, it was a beautiful moment because it was very peaceful and serene. And it was just, it was wonderful. And we put him down the day after Christmas. Wow. It's so hard. That would be so hard for me. Like I'm like tearing up just thinking, oh God, I'm not ready. Like I just feel like so much bubbling up when I hear you talk about that. Like it takes a lot of courage to to know and like to have that sign and to have that kind of nudge saying like, yes, your intuition is right. Follow it. It's going to be the best thing for you know, for everybody involved, but still like to, to pick up the phone and make that call. It's like absolutely gut wrenching to do it. Um, but I get also what you're saying about having it in the home and having that very personal moment. It's very it's profound. And, you know, just to have that private moment in, in a place where your pet for sure was the most comfortable and felt the most safe. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, it definitely was the best decision and I would recommend it, you know, 10 times over. And I was also at the time at the end of last year, you know, I had my, I had my son in the beginning of the year. And prior to that, I had worked for a clinic and was treating patients and, and um, took a bit of a sabbatical, took a hiatus to have my child and um, just kind of move into motherhood and kind of learn to how to be a mom. And, um, and, and so it was a, last year was definitely a transitionary year for me. And the next day after we put him down, I was a mess. I remember I came down and I just looked at my husband and I couldn't even form a sentence because for 17 years, this dog has been with me and I didn't know how to, I didn't know who I was without him, if that made sense. He was my shadow. He was my, like, he's always been with me. Even when I was studying for all my exams, when I was, you know, had, having people over and study sessions and he was always there. So I had to learn who I was without him. And I knew when I had quit my job, I, I was a very, very high stress, very high stress. And um, coming off of some, some physical issues, some gut dysfunction and on my own, my, I needed to get my own health in order. And, um, I knew from treating patients and from everything I studied, the way that you handle grief can affect you not only emotionally, but physically for many, many years moving forward. So handling grief, anxiety, fear, all of that in a healthy way is going to determine whether or not, number one, I can bounce back from it. Um, but number two, if I can actually move into strength from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so how... How were you able to do that? Because I'm guessing you have, because you seem pretty positive and very uplifted on the podcast now. <laughs> so how did you, how did you get there? <laughs> yeah, well, how did I get there? Well, so, um, so I, and there were some people that were like, you know, it just be thankful and um, look at the positive. And I was like, no, 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 no. I have to, you have to honor your grief. You really do. Because it's it is a it's a real emotion and it should not be dismissed. So 
honoring my grief was a huge, was a huge first step. And then, you know, I didn't get rid of any of his things. This was the biggest, you know, I'd lost my grandfather in my younger years and that was devastating, but this was one of the hardest, biggest things that I've had to go through. I'm blessed that I haven't had any real tragic losses in my life. And, um, up until then, and, and having to make that decision to lose him was, you know, obviously difficult, but, um, I had someone give me advice long, long time ago that said, you know, when my grandfather died, this should be easy. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is easy. This is devastating. And he's like, you had a wonderful relationship with him. There's no unfinished business. There's nothing unsaid. Everything was great. So you need to cherish in that, you know, you need to relish in that, cherish in that. And, um, and so I remembered that with this coming from a place of gratitude, coming from a place of allowing myself to be sad, keeping his bed out, you know, our other dog was very depressed after he passed would lay in his bed. Um, so it was just, there was something in our family that was missing and, um, I don't know, I can't explain it. Um, but really sort of honoring where I was at was a first step and knowing that, you know, that this, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but this too shall pass. I knew that it would pass. I knew that it was time. Dogs can't live forever. People can't live forever. We need to just go ahead, but we need to, um, it's actually by following you, Josh, I, I wanted a grief dream so bad. I was obsessed with, you know, when is he going to come and visit me? When is he going to, um, I need to know that he's okay. And a few weeks after he passed, I got a call from a girlfriend and something unexpected happened and she had to put her dog down and she you know, called me just devastated. And I had just gone through it and I had decided to make her a blanket with her dog's photo on it. And so, you know, I wrapped it up, gave it to her and she texted me the next day after she got it. She was obviously very grateful. Um, and the next day she said, I dreamt of him last night and I was so jealous. (laughs) I was, I was like, what? And I said to my husband, I was like, why hasn't, why haven't Bruiser, you know, why hasn't Bruiser contacted me? What is, you know, I I just, I need to know that he's okay over there. I need to know that everything is fine. I need to know that. And my husband started looking at, you know, would, would try and convince me, well, what about this dog? What about that? Why don't we, you know, consider, because we've always had two dogs. So it it just feels kind of empty without, with just the one. And I would snap at him and I would say, you know, uh, Bruiser hasn't even come to me in a dream yet. We are not getting another dog. I don't even know if I can get another dog. I don't think I can. And um, I I said, it's going to be six months, at least a year until I can consider getting another dog. And and so he he kind of knew my husband knew he knows me so well. He knows not to push it. He knows to just kind of tiptoe around it. And, um, you know, I'd look at these dogs that he was showing me and, and they were adorable, of course. And, and, but I just, just like, uh, they don't really, they don't really they don't do it for me. They don't seem right. They don't, uh, you know, Yeah. It, it was right at the beginning of this pandemic that, um, I, I had a, 
I very rarely suffer from migraines. It's just not a regular thing for me, but I had a severe migraine that day. And so I was in bed all day and my, we were kind of watching the news at the time to see how the shutdowns were evolving and, and the stay at home orders were starting to come out. And it was toward the end of the night. And I was like, well, let me Google Orlando uh, COVID-19. And the first article that popped up was how owners are dumping their dogs basically at shelters. They're, they're over capacity because they're afraid that, you know, their animals are going to be carriers of this. They don't know, or they can't afford, they just lost their job. They can't afford to keep them. And I was like, Oh no, this is just, this is awful. So I, I was reading this article and it said, you know, um, if you're interested, you know, click here. And it took me to a page at the Humane Society. And and it was a Humane Society of North Central Florida. So it, it's quite a ways away from me. It's not like it's, you know, 30 minutes. And I was like, well, I'll just look. I said, I don't want to, in my head, I'm having this conversation. I don't want another chihuahua. I'm not getting another chihuahua. I've learned my lesson. It's fine. No more chihuahuas. But if there was a wiener dog, a little dosh hound, I would completely, if there's a dosh hound, maybe send me a dosh hound and then I'll, I'll consider it. Right. And it's funny because earlier that day I had looked at Bruiser's bed in, in our bedroom. And I just, I said to my husband, I would do anything if I could just spend one more day with two-year-old bruiser where he was young and healthy and, you know, he was so much fun. And so I'm, I'm searching through the Humane Society's website and I'm looking through all the dogs and I'm like, no, no, this doesn't, mm-mm, no. And the very last dog on the very last page looks exactly like bruiser. Like the markings are remarkable. And I just stopped and he was half Chihuahua, half Dash Hound. And I just picked up my computer and I went to my husband in the office and I was crying and I was like, I, this is, this might be my dog. And he, he was like, what? And I was like, no, we can't get another dog right now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. This is, you know, you, you, like you had said, like the older you get, things need to be more methodical. Things need to be more sensible. Like this is not the right time to be getting a dog. Right. (laughs) And, um, so I shut my computer down and then I, I read the dog's story and, and he was, he was dumped on the side of the road with, with, a, with a pack of other dogs. And he was about two years old, exactly what I had asked for the, the age that I asked for to spend more time with him and to spend more time with Bruiser, my, my other dog. And, um, and I shut my computer and I just was like, you know, no, this is not the right time. This is not the right time. And hours later I was like, okay, I'm just going to fill out the form <laughs> If the, if the dog is available, maybe I'll go meet it. And I filled out the form and it's, it's bizarre because I woke up the next morning and I was like, 
I said to my husband, why hasn't the Humane Society called me? And he was like, you need to calm down. We're like, they're probably shut down. They're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm like, well, th- this might be my dog. Like I need, I need them to call me. And so I kept calling them and I actually got someone on the line and he's like, yeah, oh yeah, th- that dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in a foster home. He's in foster care. And I was like, oh, okay, well. And he's like, would you be available like tomorrow at one? Because ironically, the foster parent is going to bring another dog that they're fostering up. And I was like, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll drive down and meet the dog. And so I drove three hours to Gainesville and it was the first day of the stay at home order when they locked us down. You know, I brought my mask and, you know, have my Clorox wipes and my mask and I drive to Gainesville and before I could even meet the dog, I just turned to the foster mom and I was like, where do I pay? And he was my dog. And it's bizarre because it was one of those moments, one of those intuition moments, one of those gut feelings, one of those things that we were talking about before where it's like, if you're open to listening to a sign, if you're open to listening to whatever the universe is, is, is sending you at the moment and stop thinking with your sensible brain, then some things can go open up for you that are just really remarkable. So um, long story short, I ended up adopting the dog, drove home with him that day. Um, we named him Wally after the Disney character. And, um, and now he's our dog. And that dog, that night, we went for a long walk with both of our dogs and our son. And we go for a walk every night. And I, there was a, an overwhelmingly set, like I had a feeling, did I make the wrong decision? Like Jade, like you'd said, like, am I, am I making the right decision? Did I make the wrong decision? Is it, it, what if, you know, this isn't the right time. We don't know what's going to happen with work and we don't know what's going to happen with how long are we going to stay home? And, and my husband was like, you just need to calm down. And I was like, well, well, I need a sign. I need some sort of a sign. And that night, I dreamt of Bruiser, my my little dog had died. And the dream was Bruiser was in my right hand. And they're like identical dogs, by the way. Bruiser was in my right hand and Wally was in my left hand. And I was walking around like, this is how it should be. These are my dogs. So I woke up and I knew that this new dog, basically Bruiser sent me another little dog to watch over me. There's no doubt in my mind that the way that this unfolded is how it was meant to be. And because he couldn't be here to watch over me, he had to send another little, my husband actually jokes. He's like, Bruiser was such a narcissist that of course he sent another dog that looks exactly (laughs) like him to watch over you. So, so yeah, it took I couldn't dream of him until I got the new dog. Incredible, incredible story. (laughs) Like that's so amazing. And when I open the pictures and I look at it, I'm like, this is the same pup. And then I'm like, scroll, like, you know, back and forth between the two pictures and like, okay, like black thing on his side, like marking on his side, like, that's uncanny the resemblance it's so amazing and and what a story so beautiful and 
So like if, if you had to just sum that up, like the one take home message that you got in terms of like the chronological order of happenings there, like, like how would you sum that up to other people who have like really been in that similar situation and are wanting that? Because it seems like there's a lot about, you know, surrender and, and tr- like only when you surrender and you trust, then, then, you know, you got something that you were looking for um how do you kind of how do you sum that up do you think or like what was your general feeling after the after that experience you know really um just in the last few months i've recognized how much the universe looks out for you and how much things will work out if you allow them to work out, if you can look at things from a different perspective. So, you know, my perspective at the time, I'm holding on to this little dog, you know, for dear life, you know, he's 17 years old, he's wasting away, you know, at the time that we put him down, he was like four pounds. And I'm just trying to squeeze every drop of life out of him when in reality, it was time for him. It was time for him. And instead of looking at, looking at it from, you know, I need to, I need him to live for me. I needed to let him go for me too, because that's how we all evolve. And what I've learned throughout all of this is that it's so hard to, like you said, not come from a place of fear, come from a place of trusting, but shift the perspective. That's my biggest takeaway. And even when I'm, you know, stressed out, I know everybody's, I talk to friends and and family and, you know, this, this pandemic and, and we're all on lockdown and it's a roller coaster of emotion. And if you can shift the perspective of what is this, how is this happening for me and not to me? Right. How can I take a look at this situation and triumph from it? and move into it. And and that's why I say the first thing that you need to do is move into the pain and move into the grief. And, you know, a lot of people that I've spoken with can basically, and I'm sure Josh, you, you've seen the same, can basically communicate with, with those that are deceased at will, where it's like, come to me in a dream. And they will. And now I'm not as lucky. I was, you know, I was holding on to this. You need to come to me in a dream. You need to let me know you're okay. And it was on my timetable. It was on my, you need to, as soon as possible, but it wasn't until I let go. And I just kind of trusted my gut that it was like, yeah, everything's fine. You need to chill out, mom. Like, it's all good. So yeah, amazing, amazing movie, amazing screenplay. If there's any, if there's any screenplay writers listening to this that want to um, give a crack at this story, because I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking, this is a movie you've set me on a roller coaster. And I'm just, as you're talking and detailing the story and the move and all the moving pieces, it's like a working organism. I'm like, oh God, this is going to be good. And then when you get to the, the dream part, like I knew, you know, the dream was coming and and just so brilliantly you've you know detailed your experiences and switching like narrative in your head and and lots of insights there for the people that are listening not only about how profound pet loss is 
but just, you know, the take home of like, just allowing life to move you where it needs to move you and, and not living in a place where you know it all and you have everything figured out and allowing life to move you where it needs to move you. Those are very important lessons for, for all of us, whether we're, you know, currently in, in a state of grief or, or not, or whatever that looks like. So thank you for sharing all that so wonderfully. Yeah. Well, and I, I also am a big believer in asking for signs. So, you know, when we bought our first home here, um, we were walking through the walls weren't even up yet. It was just, you know, concrete and and wood. And one of the um, workers had written on the floor, like bucket of nails and and probably to remind the next person and spray painted a big heart around it. And so that is the reason why we chose to buy the house that we did. Um, So asking for signs, I think is huge as well. And then, you know, recognizing from a clinical perspective, the patients that I've treated, many, many, many of them have um, uh, neck pain, back pain, um, gut dysbiosis issues, physical issues that they're dealing with. And they would come week after week and I would treat them. They would feel better immediately. And then there would be, you know, continuation of pain a week later, 10 days later. And the more that I spoke with patients, the more that I realized that they were going through something, some of them grief. I had one patient that lost her husband, you know, it was devastating for her and she was constantly in chronic pain and um, others stress, financial stress, um, you know, just stress of life. And the way that it affects the human body, the way that grief, anxiety, fear, and stress affect the human body is unbelievable. And when you talk about finding the root cause of the issue, you really have to look at like the underlying psychological aspect of it all as well. So having them work through that and, um, you know, I'm not a therapist, but it's, it, I plan on bringing therapists into my clinic. Um, That's huge. That's just huge. So you have to address the body from a whole, and that includes the mind. That's well said. It's something I've learned too along the way on how important it is to understand yourself and understand where you currently are in, in the world and honor that as you're saying, because if you don't, it's going to come out sideways in a lot of different ways from migraines to back pain, to all different things. And a lot of times because we avoid the truth of what's going on within. And, you know, I feel for people because it's not something that's in our school system or that people want to know more about when it comes to understanding the self and the underlying issues of, you know, how we maneuver and our perspectives on the world. It's, it's usually we feel that, oh, we're just good. And then it's something, it's a projection, something else that's causing the pain. But there's this underlying belief structure there that is really providing you the distress and the discomfort. And as you're saying, like within your grief, that that occurred. And I'm really happy you got there because not a lot of people get there. And I think people like you uh, in any profession will help people see that there's another perspective looking at the pain, something that they never thought of. And a lot of people 
would never understand that link. But we know just through psychology that link exists too. So I'm really happy you got there. And I want I want to also go back to your dream because we like kind of skipped over it. But I'm like sitting here with my mouth open and like <laughs> crying and just like what a movie. <laughs> it's like a dog's <laughs> a dog's life, or whatever. Um <laughs> and so that dream I think is phenomenal to happen after the fact. And it, I think there's, it says something, too, about that surrender um, to give you that, almost that reinforcement and that sign that is a part of your life. And to be able to take that risk again, which, as you said, you kind of closed up a little once you had the child. And, and as, you, as you became older, you closed up. And that gave you sort of that, I think, reinforcement to say, no, it, it's okay to open up, but to be a little more free with who you are and, and what you do in this life. And but that dream of the two dogs, I was like, what can I say about that dream? And for me, just as an outsider, like hearing that dream, what I get from it is that you're able to hold both in your heart. And I think one of the biggest fears people may have when it comes to getting a new dog or even a new partner or anyone anything new, a new child, even if after a miscarriage or a death, is that we don't have enough love to go around and that we'll forget it or we'll not honor it anymore. But what the dream, I think when I look at that dream, I'm like, man, you're going to be able to hold both those with all, all your heart. And no one's going to be short, shorted. Because uh, you said that he's a narcissist. He wants that love. And, I, and you're able to <laughs> give that, right? <laughs> and so I'm really, I'm really so happy you had that experience because it warms my heart and really it's like the icing on the cake for me for that moment and that scene to just say yeah you did it yeah thank you and you know honestly and josh i've been following you for a while that i feel like your work is so important because we're not taught how to grieve we're not taught how to deal with loss you know, we typically, there's cycles of behavior and, and we deal with loss the way our parents dealt with loss and they do it the way that their parents did. And, you know, we're not really taught how to be open emotionally, be vulnerable um, and just sort of embrace the grief and, and look at things from different perspectives. And, you know, what you're doing is bringing an awareness that, you know, it's not over. You can find you can find closure, you can find peace, you can find comfort, even after that person is gone. And that's just huge. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All we can do is raise awareness. And hopefully, you know, I said, like, people are led towards it, and it can help them. And some people it won't, and that's okay. But you just keep doing what you're doing. And be true to that. And I'm always learning. I think that's the key for me is, I, and there's so many different versions of different dreams that say like on the podcast or they get through the research. I'm always su surprised. There's like common themes, but everything's so unique. And I learn a lot about people's grief through that because you're right. Like you can't study grief and, you know, you can understand a little bit. I went through my own with my father, but I don't know all about grief. But through these dreams and hearing people's stories, I get a little bit more understanding of what people go through in their lives and what they needed to maybe heal or to persevere and be able to face some of the issues they're dealing with. And these dreams really hold true to that. And I get a chance to be able to see it. And I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, uh, I'm honored to be able 
to be in this position where I get to hear all these stories and these dreams. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So amazing. Thank you for um, just thank you. This has been a great conversation, really great conversation. And I kind of second what, you know, Josh said, it's, it's, all the stories are new. They're so, they're so varied, uh, people's life experiences, but I think, yeah, there's that, there's that continuing kind of theme of, you know, love and what it means to have a connection with, with something. I always like conversations about pets because pets have been a huge part of my life. And some of the grief I've gone through with animals has been, in many ways, I don't want to say harder, but very different from uh, human loss for me, different just because of my um, animals have been such a huge part of my life. I've had conversations, you know, with, with people saying, I'm not really connected to dogs in that way. And, and, you know, and then you meet lots of people that understand you when you say, I'm grieving, you know, my dog or my dog helped me or cat or fish, whatever that looks like, got me through some of the hardest times in my life. And that that sort of companionship is is really beautiful and, and has made my life and lots of people that I've had conversations with, you know, very full and 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 colorful. So I always appreciate conversations uh, about pet loss. So just great and very different, you know, different conversation today. So I like to just keep people guessing and keep everything really fresh. And um, I just know the listeners are going to get a lot of this episode, you know, as well. So thanks for that. Well, thank you so much for having me guys. All right. So our final question we like to ask is if you could have a dream of someone who has died, what would that dream look like? Oh, anyone, anyone like celebrity or anyone, anyone, anyone. Anyone. Well, okay. So I actually just finished your podcast with Serena Dyer and I'm a huge fan of Wayne Dyer. Um, my husband and I have seen him speak and, and read all his books and it would be a dream with him, honestly. And my question would be, is it all true? Is everything that you taught us right? Is it true? I like that. And where did be located would be like i know did a lot of lectures would you be in the audience raising and you're on the mic asking a question would it be one-on-one at a coffee shop where would that be Uh, you know the beach is my serene place so uh it would be on a beach somewhere my favorite place in the world like i always say to my husband and i when we both die we will be cremated and we will be sprinkled in santorini i'm greek so it's it's one of our it's one of the places that we go we've been many many times and so it's my favorite place in the world. So probably there. Mm. I like Amazing. that. I I never got to meet uh, Wayne Dyer in person. Oh, Jade, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huge, huge fan. I just love his work. And I'm with you on that. I would also love um, to have a dream experience with Dr. Wayne Dyer. So Wayne, if you're listening double whammy please just come <laughs> visit us both tonight that would be great <laughs> send us a sign send us a sign <laughs> there you go i like that i already had one so i'm good but uh <laughs> 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 don't get jealous guys come on I, I already am. <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah, it's beautiful. I know the dream I had with Wayne after he passed. I the one the one that I remember was when I was looking at looking at his eyes and they're so beautiful. There's just like there's something so powerful about the eyes that we were looking. We had a chat and he was going to a, a lecture, I remember, and we we just had a chat there. But I, I hold that, you know, it was it was a nice moment for me because I read his books. And I think the book that got me the most was I think it was Wishes Fulfilled. I believe that's what it was, what it was called. Mm. And it really taught me at that time a lot that I didn't know. And so if I read it now, I'd be like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. But before it was a shock from where I was in my life to learn about some of that stuff and then incorporate those beliefs into my own perspective on how I saw life. So yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing who people are in our lives and how they can influence us. And, you know, like I said, like you may, did you ever, you never met Wayne, but it's like one of those things that he impacted you. And I love the fact that people can impact you and you don't need to physically know them. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, hopefully tonight I'll, I'll check back with you and, and let you know if I dream. Please right. do. <laughs> I love that. I love it. All right. Beautiful. So where can people find you or where can they find your practice in case they want to go maybe try uh, chiropractic care or um, where they can find you? Yeah. Uh, so you, you have can social find me on you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Marsico, um, M-A-R-S-I-C-O, uh, nice Italian name. And um, I was just in the beginnings of starting my own practice when this pandemic hit. Um, I do concierge services and, and all of that as well. So you can just find me directly on Instagram. My website is, is getting up and running. Okay, that sounds Beautiful. great. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure. And I was just like sitting back really listening to what you're saying and letting it fall on me and impact you know how i was feeling it was it was a beautiful feeling and so i hope other people are taking that time to really listen to the episode and your experiences because it really makes you sit in the wonder of life just like the dreams do but also your own life journey and the gut instincts and how th the timing of everything in your life was very fascinating to me and, and really help me sit in that mystery because when you're in that mystery those walls that we put up in our minds they fade away they can't stand it's like meeting unmatched and then finding bruiser and then finding like like even like it's like one after another and it's so powerful and i'm so happy you're able to share it because it's just a reminder even for me to play in that space and to not be so you could say uh, logical or academic when it comes to life to allow it to sit on you and to reflect that yeah absolutely all right so to wrap up our podcast you can find more at griefdreams.ca on there we have a bunch of stuff on the topic we also added donation buttons so if you did want to donate we always appreciate that also, if you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams Facebook group and you can share your dreams there or hear more dreams of others. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, with love and gratitude from us to you.
have questions. I have introduced myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.